page 1008. Matthew chapter number 9. We'll begin reading with verse number 35. Matthew 9 and verse number 35. Again, remember also Miss Anya. She's um, physically struggling. And uh, her and David got a brand new uh, grandbaby. Amen. So we thank the Lord for that. Amen. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But, I want you to mark that word, but, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scared abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Aaron Gosens, how about you leading us to the throne of grace? Amen. You'll be seated. I will give you the title of the message in just a little while. But chapter 9 records some of the mightiest works that Jesus ever did. In verses 9 through 17, we see four pictures that he wants us to see of his ministry. As a physician, he came to give spiritual health. To six sinners. And I say amen. To as a bridegroom, he came to give spiritual joy. Praise the Lord, the Christian life is a feast, not a funeral. Amen. Then he talked about the illustration of the cloth. Reminding us that he brings us into spiritual wholeness. And, and he did not come to patch us up, praise God, but... And then this less fall apart. I thank God for that. Then we got the image of the wineskin teaching us of spiritual fullness. I'm glad God didn't say, I'm going to put wine in old bottles. He didn't come to renovate us. He came to make us brand new. Amen. And He came to give new life. Verses 18 through 38, we see the restoration of the broken. Boy, he records four miracles in his chapter. And my, what brokenness. In verses 18 and 19 and 23 through 26, we see a broken home. Boy, how this, we preached it, how difficult it would have been for Jairus, that great leader, to come to Jesus. Being a devout Jew and a leader in a synagogue, But may I say his love for his dying daughter 
overrode every bit of that, and he came to see Jesus. We see broken hope as a woman who had tried many physicians, but none could help her. Imagine the despair and the discouragement she felt. No doubt, trip after trip, doctor after doctor, and when she had spent all, how all of her hopes had been shattered. But she said, if I can just get to Jesus, if I could just touch His garment, I just believe you make me whole. And I can just see her that day. And I, I'll be, I don't know how you looked at it, but, but I've always looked at the only way she could have gotten through that crowd to touch the hem of His garment would have been to have crawled down. You can see her crawling around people's legs as she's making her way. And Red Shut touched that hem of His garment and immediately... She was made whole and knew it. And knew it. I can just imagine her making her way out of that crowd, wanting to shout, wanting to praise God, and she was wanting to keep it secret. You know how the Lord does the things, though? He said, who touched me? That would have been a silly question because thousands were touching him. But I'm reminding Many of you will come this morning, but never touch him. But maybe one uh, touch him. Because if you touch him, notice something. He touched her. Amen. You don't draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. You realize this morning that if you can touch him, he'll touch you in return. Amen. And do something wonderful in your life. Many around are touching Jesus. But this woman touched Jesus and he touched her. And I'm, I'm amazed how different these were. The Jewish, Jairus was a, a leading Jewish man. She's an anonymous woman. He's a leader and pleading for his daughter. And this woman, and who, the, the girl had been healthy for 12 years. And then died. The woman had been ill for 12 years. Now was made whole. There's a story there. Amen. Then in verses 27 through 34. Notice he heals broken bodies. We're not told why these men were blind. Blindness is a picture of spiritual ignorance and unbelief. But then the Lord does something they so overlooked. Verse 35 is a conclusion to all that he's done in this chapter. And when Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Right here, but... But is a conjunction and it has the ideal of that the focus, the attention, the path that it's going, is going to change. I've titled the message, Time to Refocus. Time 
to refocus. But when he saw the multitude, realizing that now Jesus, doing all of these miracles, helping all these people, great and mighty things that he does. He's been busy, to say the least. As a matter of fact, he's been very, very busy in chapter number 9. But now he comes to a point and he says, Disciples, Saul Rock Baptist Church, time for us to refocus on something. It's literally when God says, Okay, time out, time out. I know you've been busy. I know you've been vacationing. I know you've been here. I know you've been there. I know you've been, you're very busy. But it's time to stop and let's refocus. Solid Rock Baptist Church, we're all very busy. If you're not only very busy, we want you coming and hanging around the church here. We can get you busy. We can get you busy. If you don't, you, somebody, oh, I'm bored. Just come, come around. We can get, we take care of you being bored. Amen. We can get you very busy. But Jesus had been very, very busy. But then the Lord said, but when he saw the multitude and he does something, I find in verse 38, he's not praying for the sick, and, they, and yet they're worthy of praying for. Don't boo me out when I say, don't pray, I pray for them. But Jesus doesn't say, pray for the sick. He doesn't say, pray for the broken. My, it's, it's good to pray. For those that are broken. But he doesn't say, pray for the broken. He says, pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers unto his harvest. Not only did Jesus heal, but he also taught and he preached. Fanny Crosby, that great blind song leader, She's known as the queen of gospel music. One night in summer of 1869, she was speaking to a large audience in New York, Bowery Mission. While she was speaking to them, she was impressed over and over that some mother's boy must be rescued that night or he would be eternally lost. The service ended and a young man, 18 years of age, came forth and asked, Were you talking to me, Miss Crosby? I promised my mother that I would meet her in heaven. But as of now, I'm, I'm living that I, that will be impossible. She said, Well, son, just back here. And she knelt down and spoke to him and shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the boy prayed in a few minutes. He stood up with a gleam in his eyes and said, Now I am ready to meet my mother in heaven, for I have found Jesus Christ as my Savior. Miss Crosby, remembering the events of that hot summer night, 
and a conversation of that boy in his hopelessness wrote these immortal words. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin in the grave, weep o'er and air them, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. John Wesley one day told his students, you have only one business and that is the salvation of souls. David Brainerd said at the close of his life, I care not how I live nor what hardships I went through. If only I might gain souls for Christ. Can I ask you a question? Who's going to heaven because of you? Have you seen the multitudes that are lost and undone? Have we seen our families? God help us. God help us. Please, I'm not trying to boo you out whatsoever. I'm really not. But God help us to get over. Well, they're a good boy. Well, she's a good girl. Being a good boy and a good girl is not going to get you to heaven. Knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is the only thing that's going to get you to heaven one day. Do we see our families as being good? Do we see our families? They go to church. They go to church. Praise God to go to church. But some churches are dead, dead as a hammer. And you couldn't reach nobody if you had to. Going to church. Thank God you come to church. I'm glad you're here this morning. I hope you'll be here tonight. But may I say that going to church is not a ticket to heaven. But the blood of Jesus Christ that washes our sins away. That is the only thing that works. Boy, He changes our life. So may we today refocus. That's what Jesus did. He said, but, but, I just, I see Him walking. And He's just performed all these miracles. He's been down to Jesus' house. He's had the virtue to leave out of Him. He's, he's felt the touch of that woman. And he's open blinded eyes. I see him as he's walking on, and he's doing all of these great and wonderful things, but then he stops and he looks and he saw the multitude. And it's like he said, Hey, fellas, perhaps they're talking about, man, what that son, Jairus' daughter. Come back to life. Do you? What? Oh God! Hallelujah! Wasn't that something? She come back to life. Boy, wasn't that a testimony? That dear woman. Everybody's a touching him. But boy, she really touched him and was healed. Boy, so yeah, but I tell you, ain't nothing like God. That blind man who couldn't see, He raised him from the dead. But Jesus listened to us. But then Jesus stopped and says, We need 
to refocus. May I say, Salt Rock Baptist Church, we need to refocus. And I'm not asking God to start with you. I'm not asking God to start with Brother Ronnie or Sunday school teachers or Brother Joey, my choir leader. I'm not asking. I'm asking God to start with me. And what I want you to do is this morning ask God to start with you. Time to refocus. Notice with me, first of all, what he saw. And when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. John R. R. said, Tears, heart sorrow, heaviness, travail, compassion are a necessary part of the character of soul winner. If that being true, then without a doubt, our Lord was the epitome of a soul winner, though he wept. He grieved. He had compassion on loss. Well, what did he say? Number one, he saw a crowd that compelled him. The word saw speaks of beholding, looking, looking with contemplating their need. He said, I saw them. He said this. I saw them as someone going to heaven or going to hell one day. God help us to get past ourselves enough to look around and see the crowd. Everywhere we go, there's a multitude. And they need somebody to see them. See, for him to sympathize with them, he had to first see them. In order to have compete on them, he had to first perceive them. And before he could have compassion, he had to first contemplate. They're like a sheep and no shepherd. It's amazing to me. A plain load of people going to the United Kingdom to be a witness and a plane coming from the United Kingdom to the United States to be a witness. Why are the people that are looking around in their home, their neighbors, their neighborhood, their, their city, and seeing the lost people that need Jesus Christ as Savior? We are so hypocritical at times. We're so hypocritical. We've almost come to a day that we look at people at times, boy, I tell you, you better watch him. You better watch her. Get them beady eyes. I bet they're packing heat. Hey, you better watch him. You better be careful. They look mean. They do. You better be careful. It's almost like we, we watch people and we choose who we think God ought to save. 
when we fail to realize God wants to, He came to bleed and to die for every one of us. And it's just by God's grace. It's just by God's grace. I wonder how many of you got family members you done give up on. You done decided why they're too sorry. They're, they're too low down. They, you can't, nobody can fix them. You done give up on them instead of looking at them and saying, boy, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. That's what they need. They need Jesus. They don't need to be reformed. They need Jesus. They need something done on the inside. And if something is done on the inside, it'll change the outside. Amen. Let me say this. I'm going to, I'm going to, well, I hate to do this because it's just going to really bust your bubbles. You're not that good. You're not that good to judge nobody else. Because my Bible tells me that my works, my righteousness is filthy rags. That was the old rag that the leper would tie, would nail to the top of a post. And when the body parts and pus would start running out of the source, they would wipe themselves. And old rod stinking fingers and noses and ears would go in. He said, your righteousness is just like that filthy rags. You don't have a right to judge nobody else. But we need to look at them. He saw the crowd, the multitude. But we got to see them. we got to see them. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever seen some... Now, don't you lie. I'm going to give you the itch. Sure as the world. Have you seen somebody in town and they're a distance off and you say... Man, I don't want to talk to them. You turn and go the other way. How, how many of you ever done that? <laughs> go ahead. Get your hand up. I know you have. Yeah. Well, I have. I've met people. You know, I don't really. I know. I know you say, boy, preacher, you love everybody. No. 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 I, I mean, that's some people I don't even like. I know that's awful. I know that's terrible. I'm just being honest. Some people I don't even like. And I see him in a distance. Man, I turn down and go the other way. But you know what? God challenged my heart to realize they may need a word of encouragement. They may need Jesus. And I might have, God might put it in my heart, give the right thing at the right time to say something that would help them and encourage them in the way. See, we realize it. We realize this. How, how long has it been since you really caught a view of the world dying and going to hell? Gosh, we're so selfish. We're so selfish. So self-centered. My Lord, no more! God help us. He saw the crowd that compelled him. No, he saw the condition that concerned him. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I think it's wonderful. I'm amazed at this. Well, again, I I don't mean to hurt your feelings or nothing, but the sheep's the dumbest animals there are. As a matter of fact, sheep can stand out in the rain and drown themselves by looking up. They really can. They're really dumb. One of the dumbest animals there are. 
And it's interesting how the Lord likens us to sheep. He said, he said uh, in John 10, 7, I am the door of the sheep. In verse 11, the good, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and I'm known of them. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Sheep are so dumb, they must have a shepherd. They are totally dependent on the shepherd. They have to have him. He goes ahead of them, gets all the rocks and sticks so they don't get hurt. He fills all the holes so they won't break their legs. He, he hunts out the best grass. He leads them beside the still waters. Because sheep won't drink out running waters. They get scared. He makes them lie down in green. They're easily disturbed. Excited. But if they have a good shepherd, that good shepherd knows how to care for them. Something else. He can walk, they can be thousands of sheep corralled together. He can walk out and holler a name and they all, his sheep, and just his sheep will exit out amongst all the thousands of them. Of all the thousands, he knows them and they know him. And when they hear his voice, they come running. I want to ask you a question. Do you hear him? You know what's the biggest, the biggest hindrance to us is this. We don't need the shepherd. We decided, I'll run my life. I'll do my thing. I'm in control. I know how to do it. And God has to crash our worlds. He don't want to. It's not his desire to do. I read an article. A sheep that's bad to stray. And if he can't break him, he takes that sheep and breaks its leg. He binds the leg back together. But that sheep on his shoulder and carries it every day until it gets better. And once it's better, that sheep will never stray again. Aren't you glad of that? I want to tell you what you do. It do you well. You say, I'm educated. I'm a business person. I got an education. I got my... I tell you what, the greatest thing you could do is give all that mess to Jesus and say, I want you to be my shepherd and I want you to do the leading. I want, when you, when you, I want to follow you. You say, I've never heard his voice. Maybe you're not one of his sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I'm glad. He knows me. 
He knows me. Oh, I want you to know. So the Lord said, boy, the Lord looked. He said, there are no God, no gold, and no ground. He looked upon them as no passion, no purpose, and no priority. He looked at them and said, they got no direction, no drive, and no determination. Thousands upon thousands today are without God and are wandering aimlessly, helplessly, hopelessly throughout life with no direction whatsoever. Bob read this story. It's a heartbreaking story, but it's so true. Young lady, her name was Rose Russell. She was one of the most successful successful women in Southern California. As a matter of fact, she was more successful than most men 50 years of age. She was a partner in a real estate firm, an investment firm next to Beverly Hills. She drove a silver Mercedes and it was paid for. At 25, with all of her apparent success, she went to a motel room, sat down and wrote a short note, stuck a thirty-eight in her mouth and took her own life. And here's what she wrote in her suicide note. I am so tired of clapping with just one hand. I'm so tired of clapping with just one hand. You see, no matter how much she gained, no matter how much you gain or I gain, no matter how much stuff you get, no matter how much money you no matter how much, only Jesus can give satisfaction. Amen. Boy, it's, it's a verse. I've, I've quoted it. And I just can't turn it loose. I don't know what God's wanting to do in my life. But God said, I gave them, I gave them their request. I let them have exactly what they wanted. But he said, they didn't recognize something. He said, I sent leanness to the soul. You know what he's saying? He said, I let him have anything. and everything. You know what? God's not a tyrant. My God's not a tyrant. He'll give you what you want. If you want it back, he'll give it to you. But there's one thing that you cannot give yourself. You can't buy this at Walmart. You can't get this no matter how much money. And that is satisfaction when you pillow your head at night and say, man. Boy, I tell you, this, that thing's been working on me. I, I find myself walking around the house and thanking God for my house and what I, call, I, I find myself being so thankful. Amen. Yeah. And He's given a peace when, he, when I peel on my head at night. I'm satisfied. I don't have to have anything else to be happy. You realize he saw them. So notice with me what he saw. Then notice what he seeks. 
Then says he to his disciples. Now, by the way, if you know not Christ today, you're not one of his disciples. I'm sorry, you're just not. I've got to be honest with you today. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not a disciple. But if you do know Jesus as as your Savior, then saith he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Notice to whom he's calling. We that have been called. Thus saith he to his disciples. Disciples, he's a master. We're the employee. He's the one that he left family, fortune, fields, and finances to. This was a different call, a distinct call, a definite call. But more than anything, it was a divine call. I believe too often, we're like the young man who poured his heart out to his letter to a girl of his dreams. He wrote, darling, I would climb the highest mountain, swim the widest stream, cross the burning desert, and even die at the stake for you. And I will see you on Saturday if it doesn't rain. He said to them, Go! 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 Ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Did you notice the word, Go! A young missionary in Zim... Bob Way, he's uneducated, unlearned, but this was his testimony. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed, for I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast, and I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made, for I am a disciple of His. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. And my future is secure. I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame vision, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence. Prosperity, position, promotion, or popularity. I don't have to be right. Boy, that's good. I don't have to be right. Therefore, I, I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus, and I must go till He comes Give till I drop, preach till I, till all I know, preach all that I know, and work until He stops me. I submit to you that the average Christian would adopt that attitude for their life. They would literally turn their home, their workplace, their school upside down. For the sake of the gospel. We are being called. But then he says. But we have been careless. But the labors 
a few. He's speaking about a factory full of lost souls. He's speaking about an office whose vines are loaded with souls. He's speaking about a school, waves of young people lost souls. He's speaking about a family tree whose family's tree is full of souls. One soul may not seem a lot, but everyone in this room this morning was one person that somebody shared the gospel of Jesus Christ and you were saved. May today we refocus what he saw, what he seeks. But what's the solution? First of all, his command requires prayer. By the way, some, I praise God for those that do come. But some used to come and pray on Saturdays. So souls is not more important than anything else. Pray. Pray. Ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. His command requires a prayer. See, when we pray, He will burden our hearts for those that are lost. His command requires a prayer. His command reveals a purpose. He says this, that I might send forth labors into the harvest. I believe if we'd be honest today, you and I have to say, you're glad somebody prayed that God would send somebody to tell you about Jesus. J. Hudson Taylor said, the director of China Inland Missions, he often interviewed candidates on the mission field. He would ask this question, why do you wish to go to a foreign, go as a foreign missionary? The young man answered, I want to go because Christ has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Another said, I want to go because millions are perishing without Christ. Taylor said, all these motives, however good, will fail you in the time of testing, trials, and tribulation. There's one motive that will sustain you in a trial and testing. The love of Christ. His loving the Lord will give you what you need to be the witness because somebody, because Jesus, we love Him. And finish the verse, because He first loved us. You know where He found some of you? He found you and some of you with a liquor bottle in your hand. He found some of you, and I, I got new terminology. I got some new terminology. It ain't wacky weed no more. It's a devil's lettuce. Yeah. Some of you, some of you, have was partaking of that. Some of you, he found you with needle marks in your arm. Some of you, 
he found in the gutter. Some of you he found on a church pew. Some of you had you all dressed up nice and all the smell good on. And, 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 and church got to mean Sunday's closed. He found some of you. He found some of you steeped in so much hellish pride. Nothing could touch you, but he did. He came by and he told you that your position, your pride won't get you to heaven. They're a good ticket to hell is what they are. He found some of you deceived. Thinking I'm going to heaven. I think I do. But I'll tell you a good test. But let's try to think they're going to heaven. But don't love the house of God. Don't care about the things of God. Not interested in the things of God. Why would you want to go to heaven? Why would you want to go? By the way, why would He take you? You don't like God's people now? What makes you think when you get to heaven you're going to like them? If you don't love the things of God now, what makes you think you're going to love them later? Well, I tell you, if you don't don't love the house of God, the word of God, singing the praises, what what makes you think you're going to love it later? Oh, do you know Him? You're in one of three places this morning. Everybody is in one of three places. Just three. Number one, you're the lost sheep. And Jesus knows who you are. And He's looking today with compassion. Well, I'm, I'm religious. No, you're lost. Religion. I'm a Catholic. Religion ain't going to get you in. He looks at you as one of the lost sheep. And He loves you. He has compassion on you. And I believe He's God enough. I believe He's God enough to slip right up beside you this morning and put that Holy Ghost arm around you and whisper in your ear, You're one of the lost sheep. I believe he's God enough to do just that. I do. You're one of the lost sheep. Second, you're a spectator. You're quick to tell us how we ought to do it. How it ought to be different. What's wrong with it? But the sidelines are filled with spectators doing nothing for Christ. How many, I'm going to ask you a question. Now, look up this way. Look up this way. It's very important. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want some answers here. How many of you have a best friend? You have a best friend. I mean, you consider them your best friend. All right. Let me ask you a question. If they are your best friend, and by your testimony you raised your hand, they are my best friend. Have you ever said, Hey, 
Hey, brother, are you saved? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know God. Devils know God and tremble. They ain't nothing. They ain't good. And it's not good English, is it? At all. But it works for us. He said, devils know God and tremble. No. No, I didn't ask if you know God. I said, are you saved? If you died right now, that you know you're going to heaven. And have them to give you a, a clear presentation of what Jesus has done for them. They, they tell you what Jesus has done for you. Or would they bust out laughing and say, <coughs> You <coughs> telling me about Jesus? I know how you live. If you get to heaven, I'll get there for sure. My God, may we quit being the joke of a lost world. May we live such. They can look and say, no, I don't have. May I say this? You say, I just can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. Okay? Well, let's practice. All right? I'm going to give you one of these, and I'm going to give you one of these. Now, hand it back to me. Can you do that? How many can do that? Okay, you can be a witness. You can be a witness. Hand them, say, listen. Would you please read this? Would you please read this? See, you're one of the spectators. Time to refocus. Some of you are building a lot of things, but you ain't building a lot. You're trying to gain a lot of things, but you're not gaining anything. Need to refocus. Everything we do should be a part of winning somebody Jesus. And then a participant. You see the fields, lost souls, and will go and do all you can to rescue the perish. And I'll tell you one story and I'm done. There's an old man. He lived in Sydney, Australia. And he would go into a busy street, an old backpacker, and he would reach somebody and he said, Can I give you something? And he would hand them a gospel track. If you die today, do you know you go to heaven? He would give them a track. And hundreds, hundreds testified. The fact that old man, and a preacher heard about all these people being saved by this one man. They're handing out these tracks in Sydney, Australia. So he was there preaching. And he asked one of the preachers to, you know, oh yeah, we know where he's at. He, he's so old, he can't get out now. I'll take you to his house. And he went to the house and the man said, God put it on my heart years ago that I could give out tracts. And he gave them out. And that preacher began to share with him all the hundreds of people that were saved. And old man started crying. He said, till today, I never knew if I had reached anyone. But he had reached thousands. Reached thousands. May we refocus. 
Well, I'm glad you had a good vacation. I, I prayed for you that God would bless you and give you a good vacation. Now, time to refocus. Time to refocus. I, I, I pray you had a great fourth. I wanted you to have a great fourth. and You had fun. I, I, I pray you did. I wanted you to do that. I prayed for you that God would give you a great week. Time to refocus. It's all right, Baptist Church. Time for us to refocus. There's a lost world that needs Jesus. That's all stand to our feet. Here this morning, as the piano player comes and song leader, before they start playing, before they start singing, can I ask a question? With every head bowed and every eye closed, are you one of the lost sheep? May I remind you, He's having compassion on you today. He loves you and He wants to save you. Have you had compassion? He's he's wanting to save you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you slip your hand up and say, Preacher, please remember me. If I die now, I don't know I'd go to heaven. I see that hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Someone else? Someone else. Someone else. Before we go any further, I'm going to pray for you that raised your hand. But would you like to step out right now and come? We'll take a Bible and we'll show you how you can be saved. You'll make one step of faith. He'll make all the rest of them.